All right, today I'm here with... Uh, Sean Carmichael. And... Rob Schulbaum. Excellent. And what film are you with? We're with the, the Ron Todd. Todd. Excellent. Now, what was your role in the film? Uh, I play Dave and Other Dave. Dave and Other Dave. And you? Uh, writer-director. Excellent. Now, let's start with the writer-director. Actually, no, let's start with the writer. All right. And you can comment as the director, the director as time goes yeah, through. Yes. So, uh, so this is a pretty complex script. And in your, your writing process... How did you sort of attack, did you have the sort of the bare bones and then you tried to flesh it out with, uh, with sort of, because you avoided, one of the things you did so well is you avoided the, oh my God, I just met myself tropes that I am so hateful of in so many films. So where did, where did your path lead you? Uh, well, you know, we started with the character. We, it always wanted, we always wanted it to be a character-driven kind of story. And I just kind of asked myself, what would they do if this happened? Um, you know, the, the sci-fi twist was always meant to kind of drive emotional storylines. Um, so it just, it kind of came about naturally. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you didn't feel the, uh, the twin trope was too overdone. We tried to embrace what would make it fun, uh, but not beat people over the head with it. Let the sci-fi fade into the background. Yeah. Yeah. I will, and I know I, I always harp on this, it felt very Dan Harmon, uh, who when he does sci-fi, it is not uh, overtly sci-fi, even when it's overtly sci-fi. <laughs> That's a huge compliment. I'm a huge Dan Harmon fan. So. Uh, he's my, my Twitter picture is me, Neil Gaiman, uh, Chris, someone or other, my buddy James and I at the Hugo Awards standing next to each other, all wearing the darkest timeline mask. It's, it's good stuff. But yeah, now, uh, now as a director, where, where did you find yourself sort of, of putting the emphasis on with your actors? Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of tried to take an organic approach to it and, you know, look at, look at what was going on at this point in the story um, and how it can inform the scene. And, you know, I think Sean might actually be uh, the, be- the better person to ask about this. Um, but we, you know, we really tried to make it um, feel, feel real. What would real people do in this kind of extraordinary situation? And how big of a liar is he for that statement? <laughs> no, no not, at, not at all. I, I, think, uh, I, I think a lot of that rings true. And I think uh, the sci-fi being kind of reduced into the background allows for those, those intimate character interactions. And I think there, uh, especially between the two different universes, there's, mm-hmm. there's some subtle and not so subtle differences. And I think finding that the in-betweens where you find the things that make the characters similar versus making them different... I think it allows you to explore more of a range of the characters. And, and there was such a strong script to begin with. And Rob is such a generous director that if there was time, sometimes he'd let us play around with certain things. And you know, we got to experiment a little bit. And I think um, through that experimentation and just through such the strong vision that he had in, in, to begin with, finding these relationships and these connections were it was easy. Now, are you a trainer of an actor? Do you like, like when you, you know you're going into a world, do you like train by like one watching everything you can? Or are you just one who just jumps in and says what they tell you to say? You know, uh, I do, I, I think I have a pretty strong approach. Uh, I, I, like to, I, I like to find out who the person is, who the character is. I like to approach the character as a person and, and think like that person. Um, what would that person do in that situation? What makes that person who they are? Whether it's mannerisms, uh, a certain way they walk or talk or things like that, what makes them them? And then, again, with the, the two universes and playing two different versions of the same character, um, 
you get to expand on that a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, it's, I think there are certain, I think every actor, there's certain people that you want to reference. And so you might look at a performance or an actor that you really respect and say, well, man, how did they approach maybe something similar, maybe something different, but how did they approach uh, just the decisions that they made? And I think that's, I think it's good to be informed and be inspired by other uh, performances that you see out there. One of the things I really, if I might chime in and, uh, and plug Sean, one of the things I really love about Sean as an actor is he asks really great questions about the character. <laughs> you know, some actors come in and they say, all right, what would I do if this happened to me? But Sean was, would really embodied the character and said, what would this character do? And we had a lot of great conversations. Yeah. Uh, he asked a lot of things I didn't think of and, you know, in the end, made me look a lot better. So <laughs> cast him. Cast Sean. Nice. Now, did you find yourself, because there are two ways to do the, the, the dual role thing. Yeah. It is either to focus on the similarities or focus on the differences. Mm -hmm. And so which way do you think you went? Uh, similarities, definitely. Um, uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure I didn't do with the character was make it too much of a caricature and make the differences too extreme. Because end of the day, it's, it's the same person. They're just in a different circumstance. They're in a, a, a different set of circumstances led them to this point in their lives and to who they are. So for me, even though the characters are different, it's, it's not at their core that they're different. So again, it's just the little things. If it's a mannerism, uh, a, a, a facial tick, or anything like that, that really grounds the character that you can believe it's the same person. Uh, that was what was really important to me. The differences kind of came organically through the script and through the story. And so to me, it was more important to focus on the similarities. Nice. All right. Now, this is for both of you. And this is a stress question. All right. On the, the spectrum from 1950s Harvard English professor to comic book guy on The Simpsons, what level of sci-fi geek are you? <laughs> wow. That is a very deep question. Um, I'd say I have, my background is purely Star Trek TNG. That was my entry point. Uh, and and that's, that's where I come from. I, I don't get bogged down on the details, but I do like things to compute at the end of the day. I don't like big logical fallacies. I'd rather know less about it than know more and be able to poke a hole in it. Does that make sense? Totally. I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. I grew up, Star Wars was my jam as a kid. Um, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't know what a parsec was. I didn't know the, how wrong they were. <laughs> and to me, that doesn't matter. You know, to me, it's fun. It's, it's, you know, the science, I think, has to be believable enough. But, you know, if someone wants to tell me that that's not how quantum mechanics works, it's like, that's fine. I, I don't know how quantum mechanics works. That's, that's fine. Is it entertaining, though? And that's, <laughs> does it believable enough? Yes. All right. Now this is your science question because this is the, this is the hard one. Okay. So, uh, you had arguably the best control room setup I've seen in a film <laughs> in ages, and <laughs> and so so what sort of uh, ideas did you have for sort of the art direction for it? Did you have much influence, or did you have like a set art director, or was it all just you and yours? Uh, well, we had we had a brilliant set designer, um, Lee Carvonen, who was uh, in charge of the the RV, and we had we had a few discussions about what it should look like. We always knew that it should be grungy and kind of um, cobbled together because we we knew what budget we were. We weren't going to try and punch above that weight. Um, but he's he's this just this brilliant designer. He lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's got huge swaths of land, and he's got all of these props just kind of hanging out. Um, <laughs> 
One day he calls me up after we decided. I had delivered him the RV, and he was driving home, and he said, uh, there's a tanning booth on the, side of the road. You, on the side of the road. Do you want me to grab it? And of course, yes, I want you to grab it. And that became the, the booth that we put yeah. the actors in. Um, so that, 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 those are the kinds of people we had helping us, um, and a big reason why it, it, it feels so real without mm -hmm. being overly designed. Yeah, I think, I think just to, to, to pile onto that, I what I always, what I loved about it was being in the physical space, you believe this thing actually worked. Um, and I think a lot of times, especially, you know, on an indie modest budget level, if things look overly polished, then you really have to explain the science behind it. Whereas, you know, I look at something like The Matrix, and I completely believe that they figured out a way to do this. And it doesn't look super high tech, but you, you believe that it's possible. And I think just having that Maybe that little bit of separation where you're like, yeah, it does look like some dude built this in the middle of the woods in an RV. Yeah, no, it absolutely looks like it could work. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think it's this week, 20 years ago, that The Matrix came out. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, that's 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, I know. Old. Yeah. So here's your next very difficult question for both of you. And this is the question I'm asking every filmmaker. And you will be judged compared to them. Oh, good. You have a godlike power to make every single member of the audience seeing your film eat one sandwich while they are watching it. What sandwich is it? Uh, I think I have to maybe break the rules a little bit. It's not quite a sandwich, but it would have to be a Hot Pocket. Acceptable. I'll accept that. So you have to see the movie. Yes. <laughs> and I want to see if you get that little tidbit. Yes. Oh, man, that is such a perfect answer. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have a better answer. Um, maybe. Maybe like a, a really great falafel wrap from a, a really good food truck. I don't know. But you didn't pay too much. It was a good. It was yeah, a good deal. It was, it was a surprisingly good wrap. Yeah. For like what one you of paid. those. Yep. The, the 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 delight comes yeah. in. I think that's to be more delighted than satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when are y'all screening? Tonight, uh, Thursday, March seventh. That's yes. the, right? so we're, at nine thirty. Nine thirty at the California Theater, and then we have a couple other screenings coming up on the eighth, ninth, and fourteenth. That's right. Excellent. That's correct. Fantastic. Thanks, guys, so much. Thank Thanks you. for having us.